drift, the writer suggests, we can end up neglecting our own salvation. And so as we come to this third chapter of the book of Hebrews, the writer takes the opportunity here to that we hear, we can allow our faith and confidence to waver and our rejoicing in the truth of Christ's mediatorship to wane. What counsel does the writer give us here? Well, I want us to notice here in verse 1 of chapter 3 that the writer does not urge Lord, to consider how we can try harder to be more steadfast and resolute. Sadly, in many churches today, that's all they hear is messages designed to get them to try harder, to do more. But the writer exhorts us to carefully consider or to examine looking to ourselves And so here in our text this morning, the writer urges us to carefully consider Christ. To carefully consider Jesus. However, before he does so, let us notice how he addresses the people that he is writing to and why his address to them is so... holy brothers, or as brothers possessing genuine holiness. And this is significant for, for several reasons. First, Christ as his own people. They are the ones in whom Jesus Christ delights. 
In fact, back in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12, which again Mark explained recently, the Lord Jesus as the Messiah is cited as declaring to God the Father, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, as those who could be assured that Jesus Christ, as their Savior, would be faithful and steadfast in his love and care for them. Why? Because he Not just in relation to God the Father through Christ, but in relation to one another. For by addressing his readers as holy brothers, the writer himself is expressing his concern for them. They are his brothers, the writer's brothers, and his heart is with them. Furthermore, he is also endeavoring to encourage them here with the knowledge that all of their brothers in Christ are behind them. All of their brothers in Christ are... For our brothers. Do you love the brethren? I trust that you do. And if you have such love, God has given it to you. And because you have that love, you should rejoice in your brethren and be encouraging them to remain faithful and steadfast at all times. And so, for shared in, or you could say they all partook of, the same heavenly calling. The same heavenly calling. And no doubt this is a reference to the upward call. Why was it so important that they also be mindful of their calling? Well, it was important because these believers who were being addressed by this letter were experiencing, as you know,
And so he will by the grace of God by this heavenly calling by this upward call in Christ prevail against our difficulties because the source of our steadfastness and our faithfulness as believers is not found in us as we said in the beginning it's not found on this earth but it's found in heaven where Jesus Christ is now seated on the right hand of God and it is to heaven it is to Christ seated in heaven that our heavenly callings will eventually lead us to victory. And so the writer begins this third chapter of this letter to Hebrews with good, sound encouragement for his readers. And let me just say. have the joy of these blessings to rest upon your hearts today. Yet the writer urges them here to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, the apostle. Steadfastness in the faith. For as I stated in my introductory remarks this morning, it is not our own efforts, it is not our own perseverance. It is not our perspectives that we should be focusing on and putting all of our attention on, but we should be actively considering Jesus and his glorious attributes instead. And of course, in exhorting us to consider Jesus, the writer is not saying that we should give Jesus a moment or two of our consideration. Nor is the writer suggesting that we should pause on occasion when we feel like it or when we remember and think, what would Jesus do? 
Not suggesting that at all. Rather, by this exhortation here, consider Jesus, the writer's earth. Find in him the grace that we need to remain faithful and steadfast. And I exhort you to do this this morning with all my heart. For the more that you consider Jesus, the more that you set your thoughts intently on him, the more that you study him, the The source race that we need to run the race well. Jesus, but is to consider Jesus together. And if we're not considering Jesus together, we're not doing what we're called together to do. We should be considering Jesus. That's why the preaching should be focused on Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ should be the main course, so to speak, set before us. In fact, the Lord I don't know if you think about the Lord's Day in this way. I hope that you will. This is the market day for our souls. To care for the needs of our souls. And we do that by considering Jesus. We do that by assembling together for corporate worship. Because as we are together, the Lord... ...of his promises. From... elements of the Lord's table. We are called to consider him again and again and in various ways and in, in different ways through the eyes of faith and through our love. thought about Jesus Christ in the course of the day. No, it's considering him deliberately and intently with the
desire to be in corporate worship. Where else would we want to be, especially on this day that the banquet table is being spread than in corporate worship? By considering And it's no coincidence, brethren, that these roles or functions are the same ones that we heard about in the earlier chapters. Because the writer is reinforcing these roles again and again and again throughout the book of Hebrews. In different ways, in different passages, but the roles are the same over and over again until we begin to truly understand what they are. Are The first two roles are, are mentioned here in the rest of verse 1. And the third. The end of verse 1. Because two separate roles are being distinguished here. And they are his mediatorial roles of apostle and high priest of our confession. And, and what should we understand about our Lord's role as the apostle of our confession? Well, we should understand that as an apostle, what is an apostle? An apostle is one who is sent forth, specifically sent forth on a mission from God the Father. As the apostle of our confession, Jesus Christ is the one who actually establishes the faith that you and I are This is why the writer to this letter exhorts us later in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 to be looking unto Jesus. Again, similar concept. Us. I find strength to persevere, not merely because Jesus is ahead of me and calling me forward, but the fact that he has already accomplished for me what that Jesus enables us to confess what is true. Think about that. There's so much rich food and truth to chew on there. We are able to confess what we confess because of what Jesus did and enables us to do. And of course, the more we consider Jesus in this role, the more established in the faith we become. 
And of course, there's a principle here that shouldn't be missed. If we want to grow in our confession, if we want to grow in our confidence in our confession, we don't do that merely by accumulating information, but we do that by looking at Jesus more, by considering Jesus more, for it's by considering Jesus more that our faith in what Jesus did and our faith in what we confess continues to be strengthened. The more confident we, come, we become in confessing and believing it. Then secondly, we find mentioned here at the end of verse 1, the role of Jesus as the high priest of our confession. Notice these are two separate roles. And this is the mediatorial role that Jesus fulfilled in the accomplishment of our redemption. For had Jesus not suffered and died to discharge his role as our high priest, you and I would not be saved today. In fact, we would still according to Hebrews 7 verse 25 you and I could not remain steadfast in the faith because our weakness is so if our high priest were not praying for us Satan would certainly sift us as wheat if Christ were not constantly entered. What was done to redeem us, to satisfy the demands of divine justice against us, and if we desire to be strong in the grace that Jesus Christ gives, then we must look to and carefully consider Jesus, especially as he is our high priest, as he prays. For it is by looking to, considering Jesus, that our own confidence that we can persevere in the faith increases. And then, brethren, there is a third mediatorial role that Jesus fulfilled that we should consider carefully and prayerfully, and that is his role as God the Father's faithful son. His role as God the Father's faithful son. And this role is described here by the writer of Hebrews in verses 2 through 6, which is really the bulk of our, of our text today. For here in the beginning of verse 2, Jesus is identified as he who was faithful. that the writer states that Jesus was faithful over God's house as a son. The two ideas obviously are related. It's the same idea expressed in two different ways. So here in our text today, the writer presents the highly significant fact that Jesus himself demonstrated perfect faithfulness and steadfastness in complete
considering this truth about Jesus, that Jesus was a faithful son, indeed there is. us as believers has been bountifully satisfied and supplied. For by being faithful in every respect to the one who appointed him, Jesus how faithful was Jesus? Did he falter at all? Was he in any sense or at any time unfaithful? Well, I, I want us to notice, beginning here in verse, at the end of verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 3, that the writer of this epistle compares the faithfulness of Jesus to someone who was highly revered in the history of the Jewish people, and that is the man Moses. In fact, in our worship readings this morning, we had a reading from the Old Testament regarding the way in which Moses was esteemed and held in respect by God's people and how God punished those who dared to speak against his servant Moses, which shows us the, the privileged position that Moses had and even God's respect, as it were, for Moses and his service also. In fact, of all the leaders of God's people in the Old Testament, the man Moses stood out in the minds of most Jews as that one person who had displayed the greatest faithfulness and steadfastness to the God of Israel. For not only had Moses led the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt and through the Red Sea, which we were reminded of in past readings, but Moses... through the many adversities and difficulties in the wilderness to the very border of the promised land. And so from the perspective of many Jews, even in the day when this letter to the Hebrews was penned, it was hard to imagine anyone who had been more faithful to God or more steadfast in their calling than Moses had been. For we could make the argument that without the faithfulness and steadfastness of Moses, there would not have been an exodus from Egypt, humanly speaking. And the nation of Israel would never have been formed and guided faithfully through the wilderness. For Moses... Responsibilities that God had given him as a steward, Moses had not faltered. And yet here beginning at the end of verse 2 and going down through than the man Moses was. Needless to say, this was a bold claim for the writer to make. I want you to remember the mindset of most Jews at this time. They don't have any pleasant thoughts about Jesus at all. 
And yet the writer here is saying that Jesus Christ is greater and more faithful even than faithful Moses was. And yet anyone with a, a basic knowledge of who Jesus is and what Jesus did in obedience to God and for the good of God's people will easily see why Jesus is indeed a far greater example. Jesus is a far greater example. And I want us to see that the writer gives us two reasons why Jesus Christ is to be esteemed and honored for his faithfulness above Moses. The first reason is found in verses 3 and 4. And that is that Jesus is worthy of far... is built or every house is built by someone but the builder of all things is God and of course these words are helpful to us as a way of comparing what Moses and Jesus both accomplished for in the final analysis both In fact, brethren, it would be wrong. Should thank God for and appreciate the great good that Moses did for the people of God. The Jews did nothing wrong in honoring Moses as long as they understood this principle here at the end of verse. 4. That was of greater significance than what Moses did. And the difference is as clear as the difference, the writer says, between the building of God is that of builder. Jesus himself is the builder. He is the one who is building the church. He built the community of God in the Old Testament. He built the New Testament church in the New. Whereas Moses, as great as he was, was simply a part of God's house. A member of God's house. And therefore, when we look at Moses, God like every other man within Israel. Let us not forget that. He put on his pants every day the same way you and I did. He had feet of clay. He was a sinner. He did what was best under the guidance of God to bring God's house in the wilderness to a place of spiritual safety and rest. He did not always do it perfectly. He was an imperfect leader. Yet Jesus as the builder
together. Jesus gave. Jesus was built in fact if we see Jesus Christ as merely a steward in the house of God then our views of Jesus are far too low we misunderstand who Jesus really is. And of course, that was the problem with the Jews. They didn't understand that Jesus is the builder. He's not merely a guide. He's not merely a steward. So rather than uplifting Moses, Christ would be to honor the house over the builder. And this is where the Jewish leaders went astray. This is where some still go astray today. They honor the house, the stewards of the house, rather than the designer and the builder of the house. Then the second reason why Jesus is to be honored and esteemed for Faithfulness above the faithfulness of Moses is that Jesus served as a faithful begotten Son of God, whereas Moses merely labored for God as a faithful and yet imperfect servant. And even as a servant, as I said a few moments ago, Moses' ministry was only to be temporary. The writer declares here at the end of verse 5 that Moses The real purpose of Moses' ministry was not to make an idol out of the law. The real purpose of Moses' ministry was not to exalt himself, but to point to a future son. A lot of people misunderstand this as well. Moses forward. He's, he's like an Old Testament John the Baptist in a sense. A pre-runner to John the Baptist pointing to Christ. Of course, John the Baptist does the same thing later in redemptive history in pointing to Jesus Christ. Moses points to a future son who would be superior to him and, and that is to Christ. And with respect to the future ministry of Christ the Son, the writer informs us here in our text and in the first part of verse 6 in particular, that Christ came to express his faithfulness as God's Son. He came to express that he is the one who was given by the Father for the salvation of God's household. And of course, in expressing his faithfulness to God as a son, Jesus accomplished far more than a mere servant would. I want you to think about this. I don't have time to really develop it, but just think about the contrasts between what a servant or a steward can accomplish and what a son can 
accomplish. There's a big difference. A servant will often serve his master at will, but there can often be limitations in how, how far a, a servant will go. But a loyal and faithful son knows no limits in how far he will go in order to please the one he loves. The son is motivated by love. And in order to accomplish his father's will. And truly it was in this last sense that Jesus performed his work for the father. A work For his faithfulness and steadfastness knew no limits. Knew no limits. And in obedience to God and for our good, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice to secure our And should the example of Jesus spur us on as God's people to a life of faithfulness and steadfastness as well? Indeed, it should. For when you and I, by the grace of God, strive to be like Christ, we not only demonstrate that we belong to Christ as his part of verse 6 of chapter 3. Notice what he says here. He says, and we are his house. We are what he is building. We are what he has designed. We are what he has purchased and what he has raised up. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. For this this repeatedly. We, we are not called to model ourselves after Moses as much as we love him. We're not called to model ourselves after the Apostle Paul, no matter how much we respect him. But those who remain faithful and steadfast are those who are constantly considering the builder. Who are constantly mindful of who it is that's building the work among them. Those who are filling their thoughts with his considerations. Those who are considering constantly and intently his excellencies and his beauties. Those who are endeavoring to know his word and his ways more intimately. Those who are finding their delight in him daily as they reflect upon his love and his faithfulness to them. For by trusting in him, Jesus Christ, the faithful son, the builder of God's house, and in his great sufficiency, we find the grace to press on in faithfulness and steadfastness.
We find this grace as members of the household. We find this grace available to us as men who are called to the ministry, who are called to assist in the work of gathering those who are a part of the household of faith. And how do we persevere? How do we remain steadfast as the ministers of God? By remembering who the builder is. By remembering it's his work. And that he is doing the work. And it's not dependent upon us. And that work will not fail even if we fail. Because it's not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon him who never failed and who never will. May we be encouraged by these meditations this morning. May God grant us this persevering grace and abundance today. May God grant us these thoughts, these, these meditations, these considerations this morning for the glory of God, for the honor of Jesus Christ, for the increase of Christ's church today. People of God, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. It's time to do that this morning. We'll do that now and as we come to the Lord's table in just a few minutes. May God give us grace and encourage us and nourish us by what we see, by what we hear, and by what God does. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for this text of Scripture that reminds us of Jesus being our high priest, being the apostle of our confession. It reminds us that Jesus Christ is the faithful son and the builder of the house. And may we draw strength from these things today. May we be greatly encouraged by all that we hear May we find the grace to remain steadfast and faithful ourselves, holding fast to our confidence, holding fast to our boasting, not boasting in ourselves, but boasting in the cross of Christ and that alone. Bless us now through the work of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.